0: sacred space on West Limerick 102 so welcome back again to the second part of sacred space here in West Limerick 102 my name is John Keeley so joined join the studio here by Anne Shane's on the other end of the telephone in Dublin and sister Mara Grace is somewhere in the United States in Tennessee in a place called Nashville Shane yourself and sister have got a few things to talk about you might share please (laughs) Mm.
1: just a few so like i said at the top of the program we invited sister mara on this morning because of course she is a member of the dominican sisters of saint cecilia so sister very much welcome to the program
0: thank you so much
1: and the reason we invited you on is of course the official confirmation uh, to what was rumored for quite a number of months, actually, uh, at, at Christmas, that the sister, the the, you call, your call, your nickname is the Nashville Dominicans, is it?
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know the Nashville Dominicans. Well, the Nashville Dominicans are coming to Limerick, and not only that, but I t- understand you're actually going to be looking taking over the Dominican community house in Limerick.
0: Yes, the the bishop has so graciously offered to, um, and the provincial of the Irish Dominicans has offered to let us live in the priory. We uh, we found out that the Dominican friars are actually leaving after the Dominicans being there for eight hundred years. So um, when Mother heard that, I think it was kind of irresistible. We needed to be in a Dominican hub that has been there from almost the
1: beginning. Yes, I was thinking about that, right? It's, it's continuing uh, the Dominican uh, presence in Limerick City, which as you said is there for 800 years and of course this marks a bit of a trend in Limerick over the last number of years. A couple of years ago, of course the conventional Franciscans, they were the ones that used to be on Henry Street, which is what most people associate them with the Henry Street Franciscans, obviously they, they, they closed up the, the, the church mm-hmm. it's now part of Mary Immaculate and of course, in one sense, but the Franciscan tradition was also kept alive in Limerick by our Franciscan friars with renewal, our Myros, our Myros monks. And then, of course, uh, the Jesuits have left the city centre, and of course, they sold uh, the sh- their church on the Crescent. And it was taken over by, it was to, going to be <coughs> developed, and the builder, unfortunately, was died. And of course, the Institute of Christ, the King, sovereign. Um, has recently taken over that as well so now of course the dominicans the friars are leaving but the sisters are coming which is great news sister okay we're going to ask who and what are the dominican sisters of saint cecilia
0: that's a great question well Mm -hmm. we are a community we were started in the united states so dominican religious women it's unique in the united states that they didn't come from other countries most of the religious orders in america came from other countries um but how the dominican sisters started in america was in the friars were in kentucky and realized that there was this need for education among the young so at mass one day the the friar the priest preached about the need for this and asked for volunteers and so nine women volunteered and that's how dominican life started among the women religious in america so our community um came to four sisters from a dominican community came to nashville at the request of the bishop the bishop of nashville in 1860 and established a saint cecilia academy it was a school for young women <coughs> so we're currently celebrating over 150 years of being a community um and so the the there's very much a uh, love for love for the um the south we live in the south you know if you're familiar with america there's the north and the south we, we were one of the first establishments in the south um and so the dominican sisters of saint Cecilia. we we continue the trend of starting schools so we teach in schools throughout the country and now also in a, in a couple other countries and soon to be we're very excited about being in ireland as well
1: uh, and in terms of your um you, you, okay so you, you were founded kind of what it, your charism is predominantly education is it
0: Yes, that's what, what kind of our work. I would say, though, our our charism stems from our life of prayer. Okay. So when St. Dominic established the order, um, he established a very structured prayer life. You know, we, we live this contemplative life, which a lot of people don't see. You know, because we're at school, we're out, um, giving retreats, or what all kinds of different apostolic works. But our the heart of our life is our life of prayer and contemplation. So our sisters, we we gather. Uh, different times throughout the day for times of prayer we have a silent period of meditation in the morning um we celebrate the mass together as a community uh every day we we pray the divine office or sometimes called the liturgy the hours three times throughout the day um the rosary so we have different times of prayer and this is what feeds our our work in the apostolate in our teaching um so the, the heart of our life really is our life of prayer. And St. Saint, Saint Dominic, I think he knew that you can't give what you don't have. You know? So if we're going to try to preach the gospel, if we're going to try to give people the Lord, the message of the Lord, we first need to be steeped in prayer in deep prayer and union with God. And so I think that's the heart of our, our life as Dominicans. But then there is that also very active uh, life of teaching or educating um, and evangelizing for the salvation of souls. So I think those two um, aspects of our life are inseparable and are very important. Um, we, can't, we can't live our Dominican life without either one of them. Mm.
1: It's it's an interesting one. I have, as we say, observed the Nashville Dominicans from a distance for a number of years because you're one of the few congregations in the United States um, where basically your novitiate is bursting at the seams.
0: <laughs> yes, we're, we're very blessed with... Um, Many beautiful vocations. The uh, novitiate. We, so the first four years of, of being in the convent here in Nashville is called the novitiate. Um, so right currently we have about we have six fifty sisters that are in the initial stages of formation in the novitiate. We we get an average sorry, of. Sorry,
1: uh, sister, did you say fifty?
0: Yes. yes, five, five zero.
1: zero. Okay.
0: Yeah, so that's the first four years. We have fifty sisters, um, and the Lord just blessed us with vocations. Um, we never take them for granted, you know, but the uh, about an average of 18 young women enter. And these young women are, you know, talented young women that could be doing anything with their lives, but they've chosen to respond to the Lord's call to enter. Um, and so they, you know, they do all kinds of different things. We have some that were engineers or some, we have one that was a professional ballerina. Uh, we have some that were, you know, firefighters, some were just right out of high school, some um, are in the midst of, of their secondary education and university. All different stages, but the they, they experienced the Lord calling and they responded with a generous yes.
1: Can I ask you a kind of a tough enough kind of a question, sister? Oh, sure. Sure. It's just in terms of, while it's wonderful that so many uh, young women answered the call, can I ask how many would go on to make final profession?
0: Oh, that's a great question. You know, I it's hard to say a hard fast number i think on uh, to give you an idea i entered with 13 and 10 made vows oh, and wow. then the very next year the nine entered and five made final vows so it it just kind of depends on the year mm-hmm. um one year we had 23 enter and uh eight of them made final vows so it's it's i don't know off the top of my head the average of how many mm. you know stay but throughout it, it varies
1: month. it varies it does. Mm. But that's that's actually quite healthy uh, in some regards because I think that's something that um, religious orders are more and more looking at in terms of uh, those that are serious about promoting vocations. They're not just promoting vocations, the sense of promoting vocations to the religious life, which is important, but it's also about guiding people to find what they are called to in life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And I found... Um I remember when I was discerning, I was scared that as soon as I, you know, called, I'd be stuck and be captured, you know. But yeah. I found it to be the total opposite experience. That the sisters were really, they want they wanted me to be happy, so they wanted to help me find the Lord's will. So you know, young women that have entered and left, I have not met one that's regretted that decision to enter. You know, it's mm-hmm. the formation we receive; um, it's never in vain, and it it helps young women that. But discern, it's not their vocation. It helps them to be better wives and mothers.
1: Well, that's that's the whole thing. Because you you know you, by spending time to discern what you are called to do, then you make the right decision in many respects. Um, one of the interesting things I find about the the Nashville Dominicans, and I it's, this is a it's it's it, it, I have a friend who's a sister, um, a, a sister in religious life as well. And any time I want to rise her, I, I start this discussion, and I mention the H word, and the H word is the habit. So uh-huh. the, Nash- the Nashville Dominicans, um, as a congregation, after the Second Vatican Council, ye reviewed, you know, following the teachings of the council, you went back to the sources, you reviewed your foundation. And as a congregation, you decided to keep your habit.
0: That's correct, yes. The, um, the habit was seen as um, something that, that unified the sisters. It's a, a great gift to be able to wear, although it's true, too, the habit doesn't make the sister. You know, it's the consecration that makes the sister, and... Um, I myself w- grew up with sisters um, some wore the habit some didn't but they all had a deep influence in my life you know so I, I really treasure the sisters that I've known that have you know chose to wear the habit their communities some communities chose not to um, mm-hmm. so I've had great experiences with both but w- um, for our community we di- we discerned that it was important for us ourselves to wear the habit to be a reminder you know when I look down and I see my habit it reminds me that I'm totally the Lord's you know um, and then also when other, when other people see it it's that witness of you're called to something beyond this world you know if, even if so, you know I've run into a child who never has seen a sister before when they see the habit there's something about uh, that that reflects heaven um, so uh, for me the habit's a great gift um, but at the same time if the sister that's wearing the habit um, it ha- is a witness is not a witness of the gospel the habit's not going to be effective so it's not what makes the sister but um I'm, i treasure mm. that the gift of wearing the habit
1: yeah it's going to be an interesting one i have to say i have this vision of four sisters in black veils and white habits walking around the, the middle of slimerick city and <laughs> i have to say i'm actually looking forward to seeing the reaction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, the, I suppose one of the other things, I suppose, is, you know, um, why are you coming to Limerick, I suppose? It's a, very, it's a very utilitarian question, I suppose, but I suppose it's one of the things that people will ask. Why has the bishop approached this particular congregation and asked them to come to Limerick? And I suppose it's asked in a very particular context in Limerick at the moment, because we, you know, your, your main apostolic work, if you like, has been in the area of education, if you like, but we also have had a situation where we've, we've a lot of teaching we've had a lot of teaching orders in Limerick City. Um, going back to the time, I'm actually reading uh, a, a biography of one of our of one of our previous bishops who encouraged the religious sisters to teach and to educate people in Limerick City. But sadly, at the moment, like we have the closure of the presentation school, and it's called Carmel and the Silesian school out in Fern, Fernbank. So I suppose some, some people will be saying, well, what is it exactly that the Dominicans of St. Cecilia are going to bring to Limerick City, are going to bring to Limerick Diocese?
0: I think it, it's a great, we're kind of asking that ourselves, you know, like, Lord, what, why are you calling us to um, this place? And I think the first thing that comes to mind is we just, our community in particular has a great love for the Irish people. Um, we owe so much in our country to those faithful missionaries who have come to America and have really preserved the faith in America um, you know, so many of our sisters actually have uh, descendants from Ireland, and yeah, when when Mother announced we were coming, it could just the, the excitement was tangible. You know that we we get this opportunity to give back in whatever way we can to this country who's done so much for us. Um, so in Limerick, you know the, the we hope to come in the spring to meet with the bishop and kind of get a better idea of how we can best serve um, the diocese of Limerick. But um, we know one thing is that we um, we just want to come to get to know the people, to get to know the uh, culture, the customs. You know, I, I w- Sister Rosemary and one of the other sisters who will be coming, she's a great guitar player. And so we've been um, learning all kinds of Irish music together. So we're, 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 you know, getting excited about the idea of just getting to know the people in Limerick and how we can best serve there. Um Of course, yes, education is our area we're most familiar with, but we'll just be discerning, you know, what is the Holy Spirit calling us to do in Ireland. Um, Mm. I know some of our sisters have recently gone to the Netherlands, and in those countries, the work they're doing is a little different than our typical being in school. So we'll just kind of need to discern and see um, what would be best for the people of Limerick, what would be best for how our community can serve that.
1: It's an interesting one, of course, because I understand... That one of the sisters that's coming is actually Irish.
0: Yes, it's her sister Katrina. Um, mm. She she grew up in County Wexford, and she ah, is so woman, excited. A woman,
1: a woman of the Dershow. that's That's to be <laughs> interesting. Okay.
0: Yes, yeah, So she, um, her, she's very excited to be coming back. She entered in the year two thousand eleven. Um, so she she's still in the stages of initial formation. Hasn't made final vows yet. Um, but she has been in the community for five years now and um is so excited when to to go back and and be in her own her home homeland so um sister katrina is is the one from ireland and then sister beatrice sister rose Miriam and myself are the other three that will be coming
1: and the other three are all uh uh americans
0: we are yes the three of us are american citizens
1: Okay very good. Well it should be uh, it should be an interesting adventure if nothing else I would say uh, coming to Limerick. And of course just you know as as we've we've discussed on this program a number of times you're coming to Limerick at an interesting time because of course Limerick is hosting its own um, first diocesan synod in 75 years in a few weeks. So it's uh, it's 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 timely because one of the issues actually that came up for synod is actually the whole thing about Faith formation and education and development for people as well. So it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting time in that regard. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about as well is we're recording uh, this interview this evening or t- today rather at the Common see Studios, and we're actually recording it on the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, uh, which is the second of February, Candlemas Day. But it's also, of course, the World Day of Prayer for Religious Life. And it also happens to mark the end of the year of consecrated life, which we've covered a number of times on the program. So I suppose one of the questions or one of the things I'd like to discuss with you is, what do you see as the role of religious life in the modern world? I suppose If I put it to you this way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: many—you know, we have a great increasing understanding of the baptism of all the, all the faithful and that all of us are called to live a vocation in our lives and to do things that for many years were seen to be done only by priests or religious. So I suppose some people would say, well, what is the point in the modern world of a young woman like yourself taking vows and entering a convent?
0: Yeah, it's it's a great question. I, I think part of the gifts of this year, of your consecrated life, has been to just reflect on that very thing. Like, what what is the purpose of religious life, you know? And um, Pope Francis has had great things to say about this and reminding us of, you know, what the church has said throughout the ages. And one thing he, that's been sticking with me is he keeps talking about the religious call to be a prophet. And, you know, when a lot of people, when you read scripture and you think of prophets, you think of, oh, these people are announcing gloom and doom, you know, and dying getting killed by their own peers you know um, but a prophet really is someone who is chosen by God um, to point out the path so a prophet you know we don't the prophets usually they were the weakest ones right that they had speech impediments or they were young or they're they're usually not the ones you would expect but for some reason God has chosen them to be his voice for the people and so in religious life' This is our goal, is we are we're called to this prophetic life, to be a witness to the Lord um, in a way that is, we're set apart. So um, the relig- the heart of religious life is the vows. You know, We take three vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Mm-hmm. And these vows enable us to belong totally to Christ in a way that's different from other vocations. And so we're free by these vows. We're freed to go wherever He sends us and to be these lights, these prophetic lights, to bring the people of God um, to closer union with Him.
1: So I that's think an interesting. So, if I sorry, if I may cut across okay, there, yeah, sister. That's that's an interesting way. I've I've never heard someone before describe the vows as being free. it's a, yeah. It's, you know, it's not kind of what you would you would kind of the modern world or the modern mind would understand as being free you know uh, you know it's, that's an interesting that's an interesting way of looking at it
0: yeah i think a lot of people when they they hear you know the vow of chastity it means you're saying no 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 to you know to marriage to children but really the vow of chastity is saying a total complete yes to god you know i give you my whole self my my soul my body everything is yours and same with poverty you know it's not the saying no to things it's saying Yes, I have arms open to receive whatever you whatever you have for me, Lord. And obedience is I think that's the hardest one. Mm. You know, I, people think, "Oh, you're just, you know, being told what to do all the time." But really, if, obedience is this yes to God's will, whatever it whatever it is. I it's a it's a freedom because I I can know with all my being what God's will is for me when I, you know, a superior asks me to do something. I know that's God's will. So it's a total freedom actually. Um and yeah, I know I know that's kind of countercultural. Most people would think of it as like a binding thing, but really it's something that frees us to do God's will. Mm. Um and so the the prophetic life, if we're if we're living this um freedom to be life, the religious life is a sign of joy. And Pope Francis says that. He says, you know, wherever there are religious, there should be joy. Um so that I think that's the particular witness that religious are called to give to the world that um is unique in that um, they are. They go to whoever they're sent to, and are are, to to the joy of the gospel.
1: Thank you, sister. Do you know we, we we're kind of going to leave it there for a minute, right? And okay. uh, we, we need to we need to go to take an ad break. But before we do that, I'm going to invite you to introduce our next piece of music.
0: Oh yes, yeah. thank you. So the the next piece of music I've asked um, if they wouldn't mind playing is it's a really special song to a. To Dominicans throughout the world, it's the Salve Regina, which is Latin for "Hail, Holy Queen," and this is a prayer that our community chants every single night before, uh, right after night prayers, right before we, you know, go to bed for the night. We pray this, this, this we sing this chant in honor of Our Lady. Um, so it's really beautiful. After night prayer, the, the lights will go dim in the chapel, and there's a procession to the statue of Our Lady. And during this procession, the one of the sisters comes by and sprinkles us with holy water, which goes back to the tradition of Saint Dominic received a vision of Our Lady sprinkling the brethren with holy water before they went to bed. So um, I, this is a, a chant that's very special to Dominicans. This particular rendition is the Dominican priests, the Dominican friars um, chanting this salve. The best in Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.